Pray with me one more time, and then we are going to look at Jesus' relationship with his mother, and we are going to start in Luke chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do today, we're going to start uh, with a, a really interesting scene of Jesus as a child, starting in, in Luke chapter 2. Pray with me. Father God, we love you. We thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather as your people. We pray, Lord, that uh, as we do what Christians have always done, which is come together, gathered as your people, circling your word, hearing from you, and then responding in worship. But we pray that as we do that, that, that you would be pleased by this moment. We long to bring you glory. We don't want to bring ourselves glory. We want to bring you glory. There's nothing more glorious than you. And when we confess, Lord, we confess that when we uh, bring you glory, we experience joy. And so, Lord, to, to that end, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see your glory. I pray that even as we look at these scenes of how you related with your earthly mother, that you would, uh, that you would help us see this as glorious. I pray, Father, that we would be more conformed to your image as a result of this, that we would see ourselves and see each other as you see us. Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray that I would not say anything out of step with your will or your word, but I would simply hide behind the cross. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. Well, who is that guy? A number of years ago, I was uh, with a group, and we were doing a, a service project in our community. There had, had been an impoverished, older, widowed uh, woman in our community, and she just needed help. And she uh, needed really just a series of projects to be done, but she didn't have the money or the strength to do all of them. And so we just kind of stepped in. We replaced a, an old toilet with a, a real nice handicapped uh, toilet one for her. There was, we power washed some old siding. There was a crumbling wall that we took down and then rebuilt, put some sheetrock up for her. We cleaned out the flower beds. We replaced some old flooring in one of her bathrooms. But in the middle of that project, seemingly kind of out of nowhere, a door opened from one of the bedrooms. A guy walked out. He went straight to the kitchen, got some food, and then went back to the bedroom. And we all kind of collectively looked at each other and had the same thought. Who in the world was that? Well, come to find out, she had a middle-aged uh, son who was living with her, and I will add, for free. And he was, had been taking a nap while we were uh, working uh, uh, on his mother's home. And I was really proud of our little team as we all kind of took pains to acknowledge that, A, maybe there's more to the story, okay? B, maybe, uh, you know, we wanted to be as gracious and, and assume the best, but then three, why in the world was this guy not helping his mother or helping us with, with some of these tasks? Today we're beginning a new series of messages from the gospel that I've titled, He Had Compassion for Her. This is a seven-week study of Jesus' relationship to different women in his life. And we're going to start today with his relationship with his mother. How did Jesus relate to Mary? And what are we supposed to learn from that? What do, how, what do sons need to learn from it? How do, what do men need to take away from it on how we view women? Women, how, do we, how are you supposed to view yourself as a woman based upon how Jesus related to his mother? And really in this series, I, I kind of want to maybe hit a sweet spot. I, I, I don't feel the pressure to kind of 
tackle every sociological opinion or chase every uh, opinion about uh, feminism or all our political issues that swirl around us. Really what I want us to do is I want us to just try to stay as focused as we can on the scriptures and look at, okay, how did Jesus relate to these different women in his life? And what can we glean from this? What can we learn from this? And, and for my study, what has, has just been refreshing and exciting is, is that Jesus really doesn't fit with any box. You know, it, it's kind of like you can't pull him too far to the left. You can't pull him too far to the right. You can't pull him up or down. He just doesn't fit with any box. He's kind of outside of all these different boxes that we have. And I think it proves that Jesus is truly divine. And I think it highlights that the way he relates to women is, is I would say, it's certainly beautiful. And I think it's also inspiring. But, but the reason why I think this series is so important is because men have rarely hit the sweet spot on how we relate to women. Men have, have rarely done that throughout history. And even as you look at the New Testament, and you can take the story of the woman at the well, for example, the way Jesus relates to her is certainly different than the way society treated her, but it's also really different than his, the way his disciples treated her. And so men throughout history have, have never or rarely hit that sweet spot on viewing women the way God views them and then treating them accordingly. And that's certainly true even today. But, but ladies, this might sound weird, but I think Jesus views women with more compassion and more worth than even probably most ladies do even. And so there's, I think, something in here for all of us to learn. And listen, I understand that we're centuries away from the customs and the laws and the culture and the perspectives of the gospel today. However, Jesus' view of women is still surprising. I think it's still refreshing. I think it's inspiring, and I think we have much to learn. Ladies, my prayer for you is that you would walk away from this study with a better sense of the compassion that Jesus has for you. I want you to know his heart for you. And then how he relates to the women in his life, because that is the same way that he relates to you. I want you to know that he has compassion for you. And, and men, my prayer for you is that you walk away from the study with, with just a renewed vision of how men are supposed to treat women, how we're supposed to feel about women, how we're supposed to view women, and thus how we're supposed to treat women. We're going to see that Jesus submitted to Mary, that he respected her, that he served her, and that Jesus cared for her. First thing we're going to see is that Jesus submitted to her. So again, if you have your Bibles, go to Luke 2, and let me set up this story real quick. This is the one story that we have of Jesus as a child. He's a 12-year-old boy, and this is during the season of Passover. And Mary and Joseph have faithfully done their Jewish duty and, and following the law duty of, of taking their family up to Jerusalem for this festival. And, and they've gone with a big group of people. And this was common. As, as you're walking from town to town, that, that wasn't a, a safe thing. And so you would go with large groups. This is the big festival that people went to every year. And so there was a large group of people of, of friends and of family. And after the festival, they get down the road and they realize Jesus is not with us. And they start frantically looking around for him and they can't find him. And it says they, they couldn't find him for three days. And then they eventually found him. And they found him and he's at the temple and he's discussing spiritual matters with the religious leaders. And we pick up in verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he had spoken to him. But, but listen to verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. 
And his mother treasured up these things in her heart. First, I want you to notice that phrase. Mary treasured these things. Now, we're going to circle back to to that phrase in a second. But the first thing I want you to know is that most likely means she's the source of this story. So most likely with Luke, she's probably the one telling him this story. And she probably, as she's telling it, he can see that she's treasuring this account and this scene. And so she's probably the source of it. But, but let me make about four observations here. Uh, well, three key observations. Number one, um, let, me, let me speak to the children first on this story. If you run off, okay? Maybe speak to my children, but to all the children here. If you run off, if you run off for three days and we can't find you for three days, let me tell you what's going to happen. Number one, if your parents do not have a heart attack and actually get to day three, and then when they find you, they are going to hug you tighter than you've ever been hugged before. Uh, if you're a 16-year-old boy, your mom's going to kiss you on the cheek. It doesn't matter how that you're taller than her. They are going to hug you. They're going to cry. They're going to weep with joy that they found you. Then, <laughs> then you are going to experience consequences like you have never experienced before. Parents, can you say Amen. Children, this is not one of those moments that parents would look back and treasure in their hearts, okay? Now, that brings up some questions, right? What in the world is going on here? Now, granted, she says in verse 48, we were in great distress. I bet they were. I bet they were in great distress. However, this demonstrates the godliness of Mary, I think. But there's also something else going on here. Now, if this were my kids, I would not look back at this as this great example of what she says in verse 51 of submission, okay? But that's what we read in verse 51. She puts this in this category of submission. This doesn't sound like, this doesn't sound like he was submitting to them. I think, and we're going to see this in this story and in the next, I think that there's a closeness between Jesus and Mary to where sometimes we, you know, we see the words on the pages, but I think there's a subtleness in, in maybe the looks they were given or, or the tone that was going on there. That, that there were just layers of stuff based upon the fact that they were really close to each other. What, what I think is going on here is that Mary understood, even as she looked back to it, that, that he was balancing a submission to his heavenly father and to his earthly parents. He was actually submitting to both. And in that moment, she understood this. You see, the fact that Jesus... Uh, submission is what is on display is, is the fact that it, th- that's evidenced by the fact that she looked back and treasured that in her heart. Isn't, isn't that an odd comment that, this, that he was submissive in this story and that he treasured this? Like I wouldn't look back and treasure that. This, this story sounds like a nightmare to me, right? But she treasures it because she recognized that there was, there was an aspect of what he was doing which was not only submitting to them but also submitting to his heavenly father. Jesus did that pitch perfectly. Luke 2 in in this passage clearly teaches that the perfect human submitted to his mother. He was subject to her. He obeyed her. Even though he ranked higher than her, Jesus is God. He still humbly placed himself under her authority. Even though he already was aware of this unique relationship that he had with God, he was also submissive to Mary. He knew that he was stronger than her, yet he yielded to her. Now, children, God himself was submissive to his mother. 
God himself was submissive to her. And likewise, children should obey that woman that God has given to you as your mother. Your call is to obey her. Now, now hear me. Your mother is like Mary in a real key sense. She is imperfect. But we're not Catholics and we don't hold to this false doctrine of Jesus was immaculately conceived. She was imperfect. I think she was a very godly woman. She was imperfect. Children, your mother is imperfect. But even, but follow Jesus' example. He, he had an imperfect mother, yet he humbly submitted to her. Okay. Second, Jesus respected his mother. Turn to John chapter 2. This is the, the, Jesus' first miracle where he turns water into wine. I love this story because there's so many kind of subtle layers to this little story. Uh, Jesus is at a wedding. He's with his disciples. He's with his mother. And, and if you know anything about the ancient Near East culture, it, it, uh, hospitality was like sacred, okay? So the fact that they were running out of wine, this was a very shameful thing. Now, now that's different in our culture today. If something like this were to happen, it, it, it wouldn't be as, you know, shameful. But back then, this was, this is a very shameful moment. And Mary's sensitivity, her sensitivity to the, to this hostess, it, it really demonstrates, again, her godliness. I, I watch my, my wife really beautifully navigate etiquette with, with young brides. When we sit down with couples and do premarital counseling, Chris is so good to kind of push into this relationship between, you know, a, a young bride and her mother-in-law. And then we talk about etiquette and that's all different today, right? But, 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 you know, there's a sense of, okay, how do you navigate these ceremonies in a way to where you, you know, you really love people. And it takes a, it takes a lot of sensitivity. It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of compassion. And, and Mary's demonstrating all of that in this scene. Okay. Let's pick up in verse four and verse five. She asked him to, to, to do something about the problem of the wine running out. In verse 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> okay, number one, woman. That's a phrase of respect, okay? Now, it's the same term that we're going to see uh, there at the cross when he addresses her as woman. This is a respectful term. And so if you're reading that another way, you're wrong. The Greek is saying something else, okay? The, the Greek there is demonstrating a very respectful term uh, that, that he's addressing her with. By the term that he uses there, he's trying to honor her. He, he sees what she's doing. He, he sees the, he, he knows her heart. He, re, he respects her in this moment. He respects what she's doing. But, but this, kind of like the previous story, there's kind of a strange interaction going on here, Right? Like in the previous stories, it didn't seem like he's submissive. He runs off. It didn't seem like a story you would treasure in your heart, but she does. And then the same way here, like he at a very real level doesn't want to do this. And it seems like he's telling her no. She listens to him. And then she turns to the servant and says, do whatever he says, right? It's kind of a strange interaction. And again, I kind of go back to that reality of their relationship is so close. There, there's an intimacy. There, there's a health. There's a love that's there to where they know each other so well that we read the words on the page, but th there was either a look or there was something in his tone that she understood, okay, I, I know he's maybe not fully on board with it, but, but he's going to do this. That, that again goes back to the fact that he really respects her and he honors her, her request, and she was right. This story highlights the respect, the esteem, the admiration that Jesus has for Mary. He didn't blow her off. He paid attention to her. 
Like she's sensitively paying attention to all these little etiquette things, all these little things going on. She sees the look in her friend's face as the wine is about to run out. She, she knows what that's going to mean and how people are going to think. Like she dives into that. And Jesus is not too busy, kind of his own world, of talking to everybody else. Like he's paying attention as well as what go, is going on. And, and more specifically, he's paying attention to her. Jesus understood the kindness and the grace that she was showing in that little moment. He appreciated her thoughtfulness. He appreciated her politeness. He saw the best in her. A way to think of this is that Mary made Jesus smile. They had a good relationship, and he saw what she was doing, and it made him happy. He saw her. He listened to her. He didn't look down on her, but he looked up to her. Do you all see that in this story? He doesn't move past her. And he certainly doesn't look down on her, but he looks up to her. Ladies, this is how Jesus treats women. Now hear me, maybe your son doesn't treat you with that same sort of respect and dignity. But I want you to hear me today that Jesus does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that man in your life does not. But Jesus does. He's not a misogynist. He doesn't, he doesn't buy into all these untrue stereotypes about women and then, and then treat women suspiciously or with distance. He doesn't view you as lesser than men. Jesus views you with esteem. On a side note, as, as you think about the garden, when you think about the fall, but when you think about creation, like, like that creation moment when woman is first created, you, you, you remember the account? G, the, the man lacked, okay, he needed something. And what was the solution to that problem? Woman. And he brings you along, and the scriptures say that she was a helpmate. Now, I know that uh, throughout church history, that has been used as a negative thing. Friends, in the Bible, help is always viewed as a virtue. The fact that she was helping him, it highlights that he lacked. She was the solution. And the fact that she was helping, that was viewed as a virtue. That's just kind of a, a base level understanding of, of the biblical view of humanity is that women are viewed as equal and women are viewed as making humanity as better. But, but like how Jesus relates to Mary in this little story, in a similar way, Jesus respects your dignity and he respects your worth. Ladies, you matter to him. In the same way that Mary mattered to Jesus and that she noticed these he noticed these little subtle things that, that she cared about. Jesus relates to you in the same way. You matter to him. You have worth to him. He knows the burdens that you're carrying. He knows the little things that you're trying to navigate through. Number three, Jesus served Mary. Turn to Matthew 12. And this is a, an interesting little story. And, and, but, but I think what's going on here is ultimately Jesus is serving Mary. You know, the first two accounts that we've looked at, Jesus' relationship with Mary, I, I think, uh, is marked by a healthy intimacy and affection that he has for her. In other words, Jesus loved Mary. He, he, as a child, he submitted to her. He respected her. But then we have this account in, in Matthew 12. And I, think, and I think this scene maybe gives some, some balance to this relationship, or at least of our understanding of it. Matthew 12, look at verses 46 to 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is, your, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. 
Jesus is making a distinction here between his earthly family and his spiritual family. But hear me, he's not diminishing his earthly family, but he is providing a healthy balance to our understanding of our family. This is a great reminder for those of us who struggle with idolizing our family. Like Jesus didn't idolize his family. He submitted to Mary. He respected Mary. He cared for her. But here's a moment that when, as an adult, she makes a request of him, he views it as going against God's will for him in that moment, and he very respectfully uh, does something different, doesn't he? So, so he doesn't, just because she says hop, he doesn't always hop. He, he doesn't worship Mary. He doesn't idolize Mary. However, he also, he, he doesn't allow the, uh, his commitments to, to take away from, uh, from God's redemptive mission. He, he has a commitment to his mother, and he cares for his mother. He respects her. He submits to her. But he's also faithful to that broader mission in life to evangelize and disciple and establish the church. So Jesus faithfully served God's mission. And however, and I argued how he did it, how he did it was a way, he did it in a way to where he actually ultimately served Mary. You see, he didn't put Mary on such a pedestal that he worshiped her, idolized her. He had a mission that God had given her. And by carrying out that mission and doing that in, in such a balanced way, he actually served her in a better way. You see, children, uh, Christians are to worship, are not to worship their families. Christians are to worship God. Jesus didn't worship his family. Jesus said in Matthew 10, whoever loves father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. You see, that, that perspective, it enables us to actually serve our families better, doesn't it? You see, if you're worshiping your wife, or you're worshiping your children, or you're worshiping your parents, you can't serve them in the best way that God calls you to serve them. J Jesus strikes this amazing balance here, that, that he's not duty-bound to honor every request that she makes. Now, he is duty-bound to speak to her respectfully. He, he notice that he's never ugly to her here. He, he, he responds to her always in ways that are loving and that are kind. But it's okay. He draws some boundaries there, if you will. I pause on this story just to highlight that Jesus modeled loving his mother enough to do the hard, loving work of finding that sweet spot of loving and serving her. I don't always know what that looks like. And sometimes as you get to be an adult and, uh, and you're dealing with your parents as an adult, that just becomes difficult to do. But, but, but he's loving and serving her in such a way that it's not a detriment to God's calling on his life. He's never ugly to her. He's never disrespectful to her. He's always uh, loving towards her. However, he served her in a way that enabled him to ultimately serve the Lord. Do you see that? Let's look at one final scene here. Flip over to John 19. It's just Jesus on the cross. As he's dying on the cross, Jesus cared for Mary. John 19, verses 25 to 27 says this. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Not only did Jesus submit to his mother as a child and respect her as an adult and, and serve her, but serve her in a way to where he ultimately served the Lord, 
He also ensured that he was cared, that she was cared for, that she was cared for in his death. She, she was not someone who um, uh, he, he was able uh, to use or take advantage of. That's not how he viewed his mother. She wasn't this object. She wasn't this piggy bank. She wasn't someone to take advantage of or use. She was someone that he was supposed to care for. That's how he viewed his mother. Even as he's dying, he's attempting to care for her. He cares for, for her eternally in that moment, but he also cares for her temporally in that moment. Mothers give and give and give, right? Now, no offense. I know we have more kids in this service than we did the last one, but kids can kind of be dumb, amen? Do I need stats? Do I need stories to validate that, right? Listen, if you're here today, you're here today because some sweet woman in your life called your mother kept you from electrocuting yourself. She kept your diaper clean. She kept you fed when you needed to take medicine and you refused to take the medicine. She did the hard work of holding her gun to get the medicine down your mouth, right? You had a mother who gave and gave and gave, right? Men, there's a point when you as a son are to be the one who cares for your mother. There's a point where that flips, doesn't it? She has spent her life caring for you. And there's a moment where sons are to care for their mothers. Have you ensured that your mother is taken care of? God gave her to you so that she could take care of you. And now he's given you to her to take care of her. Jesus modeled this with his mother. Fellas, this is only week one of week seven. I think there's going to be a lot that we're going to learn. There's a lot that these passages are going to charge us with. But for now, Jesus' relationship with his mother calls us to generally see worth in women. We're to see the, the worth and the dignity of women. We're to respect the women in our lives. I think this means that we're to reject untrue stereotypes. Stereotypes like, well, yeah, women aren't smart. <laughs> it's not the case in our church. We're supposed to re reject these stereotypes like, okay, well, w women really can't teach the Bible. They're not good at teaching the Bible. Hey, that ain't true in our church. Like, like we're to reject untrue stereotypes like, you, you know, that, um, okay, women are, yeah, because of the fall, like they're more sinful. Man, I, I think it's the flip in our church, okay? Our guys struggle a lot more than our ladies do. You see, rather, we're to care for women. We're not to objectify them. More specifically, uh, boys, you're to submit to that woman that God has given to you as your mother. Men, even as an adult, you're to re respect and care for your mother. This is godliness. This is what is right. This is what is good. Friends, this is what is beautiful. This is what is loving. This is what leads to human flourishing. This is what leads to happiness. Men, following Jesus' example means that we look up to the women in our lives not down to them. Amen? Amen? I think this is this great key takeaway is that we're to see the worth of women and we're to reject untrue stereotypes. However, I want to encourage you, if you have moments in your life where you haven't batted a thousand on this man, <laughs> moments in your life where maybe you've looked down on women in your life rather than look up to them, I want to encourage you that Christianity is not cancel culture. Right. Christianity is not cancel culture. That's not our religion. That's not good news. The good news is, is that we always have hope. The good news is, is that there's always hope with Christ. 
I, I find it fascinating that John is the one that he picks there at the end. You know, if you, if you look back to Mark 14, there's an interesting scene that is probably John. When they come to the garden to arrest Jesus, there's this one disciple that they reach to grab for, but he is so filled with fear that he literally runs out of his coat and runs through the garden like just a madman. He's so fearful in that moment. He, he's not marked by faithfulness in that moment. That, that disciple is probably John. And then the next day, the very next day, Jesus looks at him and says, take care of my mother. See, God has never done with you. You haven't blown it so much that you're without hope. There, there is always hope for forgiveness. There, there's always hope to walk more faithfully again. There, there's always hope for reconciliation. Draw near to him if you have looked down on the women in your life. Ladies, I know that many of you have wonderful men in your lives, men who, who treat you in similar ways that, that uh, Jesus treated the women in his life. But I also know that there are men in your life that fall short, right? Moms, when your boys, when your boys uh, fail as sons, let the Son of Man fill the gap. That's the good news of this. The good news is not that your son is going to take care of you perfectly. The good news is, is that Jesus will. He fills the gaps. He's the one who, who is the perfect man, and he views you with dignity and value and respect and with worth. You're not an object to him. You're, you're a beloved daughter. You're an individual. He sees you individually, and he likes you. He created you that way. The thing that you're good at that maybe other people don't see, he sees it, and he likes it. The ways that you struggle, he knows, and he loves you. Even He doesn't love you less because you struggle in some way. He died for that. That's the way Jesus views you. He views you as an individual. He likes you. He loves you. And if you ever question if he cherishes you, friend, remember the cross. If he didn't cherish you, why did he die on the cross for you? Recall uh, uh, the attention that he paid his mother as, she, as he just kind of quietly watched her, that, helping out her friend, and he paid attention to all of that. That same kind of cherishing and respect that he has for his mother, that's the same that he has for you. Ponder that on the cross, he not only ensured her earthly care, but he ensured Mary's eternal care. Ladies, that's your creator. That's the church's groom. You see, other men will fail you, but he never will. Let the Son of Man fill the gap. I read a story this week about how a mother and son were reconciled. And I, I think what, there's a couple of things that struck me about it. But the first one being is how common it is. <laughs> you can put a lot of names in this story. I, I think this mar- marks a, a lot of relationships. You see, both the, the mother and the son, they were good Christian people. Frankly, they loved each other. But, but they had had this divide that, that was just widening, even wider and wider as years went by. Like, like, he felt that his mom was always too critical of him. In response to that, she would say, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm your mom. I'm supposed to speak into some of those things. And who else was going to tell you those things that you needed to hear? When he started dating his wife, his, his mother was rightly protective of them. But, but this young girl, she, she took that as the woman didn't like her. And, and she responded in immature ways, which maybe made things worse. But but, but the girl perceived that this mother didn't really like her, and then they got engaged, and then that was filled with all sorts of bumps in the road along the way. 
things that she was trying to do to, to bless her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law took the wrong way. And then, you know, she thought, well, she should have done this, but she didn't do this. She didn't even know to do this. And there were all these just little things that were taken the wrong way. And then uh, the, the relationship just continued to get tough. And, and fences were never really mended. And then when kids came along, then, then there were all these other just different uh, pressures that came. There were differences of opinion on how to raise uh, the kids. And then there were these little comments or there, there were these little looks that were given. And as time went by, just those, uh, uh, that, that gulf that was in between the two of them just continued to widen and widen and widen. And for the son, it, the whole thing just felt like a trap. <laughs> if he talked to his mom about it, he got one thing and he could have talked to his wife about it. And it was just, it was just this hard thing. And so uh, this uh, young man and his mother, they just, they landed in this kind of polite Switzerland. Okay. <laughs> like, let's, let's just stay neutral here. Let's just, you know, let's just exist. You know, let, we're not going to talk about things, but but then as years went by, like the grandkids came around less and less, calls became fewer and further between, and then the mother started to have some health problems. Now, frankly, she just needed her son's help. However, she didn't know how to ask him. And as he knew that she was having problems, he, he felt guilty that he wasn't helping her more, but he, he didn't even know where to, where to really start to help her. The real interesting thing to me about the story is that that God began working in both of them at the same time. Now, he was asking for prayer for his mother at his men's group as they went around, well, how can we pray for you? And he started talking about the health problems she was experiencing. And then it kind of went into, you know, but mom and I really don't have a good relationship. And, and then it was like, you know, I, I think I should be caring for her. I don't even know how to do that. And, and those guys just started praying for him. The older guys started giving advice on how he can reconcile that relationship with some practical things he can do. But the interesting thing, again, is that God was working on her at the same time. So in her ladies' Bible study, she's sharing the same thing. I'm having these health issues. And it was like, well, how can we pray for you? You know, I, I, I don't have a good relationship with my son. And, and I really wish he was here to help me. I really need him, but I don't even know how to ask for his help. So God began kind of pushing both of these two people together through those little Bible studies. They were both praying, and God was softening both of their hearts. Finally, the mother called her son and asked if they could just go grab lunch. And as they sat down, she began sharing simply just how she missed him and wished they were closer. And he kind of cut her off and said, hey, I, I feel exactly the same way. I just miss you. And I just miss, we, I, I wish we were closer as well. And, and instead of spending the entire lunch just like rehashing old scenes and old wounds and, and fighting through different opinions. They, they both just cut all of that off and they just apologized for all of it. And, and they just said, you know what? I, I love you more th than needing to be right on anything. I, I don't want to spend these years holding grudges. I, I just want to forgive on all of this. I, I'm, I'm not going to try to hold all this. And what ended up happening is neither one of them felt vindicated for the past, but they did both feel loved. And that was their way towards reconciliation. In the final five years of her life, they were the best that they had had since he was a preschooler. You see, he, he saw his mother in a new light. He began to learn from her in fresh ways. He valued her. He respected her. Where he used to look down on her, he now looked up to her. And in the same way, she viewed him with new eyes. She, she felt so loved when he would come and sit in the doctor's offices with her. And she felt so cherished and, and respected and esteemed and cared for when he did the hard work of finding the right nursing homes for her, for her to live. When she used to, in the ways that she looked, used to look down on him, she now began to look up to him. Men and sons, 
We are never going to relate to women in a perfect way. It's never going to happen. However, are you turning to the good son for hope? Are you turning to Christ as the example? Are you turning to Christ when you blow it? Is he your hope to make things right? Are you following his example? And do you look down or do you look up to the women in your life? Ladies, no man in your life is going to do it perfect. And no man in your life is going to view you perfectly the way Christ views you. Don't fall into the trap of finding your worth based on his opinion of you. You see, someone is always going to stereotype you. Someone's always going to objectify you. However, turn to the good son for hope and let him fill those gaps for you. Ladies, like the way he viewed his own mother, Jesus respects you. He doesn't see you as an object. He, he, he sees you as a beloved, adopted daughter of his. That's how Christ views you. He doesn't view you as the world views you. He doesn't view you with all these untrue stereotypes. He views you as uniquely created in his image. You have worth. He views you as equal to men. He views you as as created in his image, just like the men are. He views you as equally with worth and value as he does men. He sees you. He knows you. He is with you always. Sisters, he died for you, and he loves you eternally. That's how he views you. So no matter what the world thinks of you, Turn to the good son for hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these, these little scenes that some of them are mixed with a lot of beautiful subtlety and I'm sure there were looks and tones that filled in some color to these black and white pages. But, but Lord, I, I just thank you for the relationships you had with women when you were here because they were radically different from the way men treated women in that day. And they're radically different to the way men treat women even today. Lord, I pray for the men in this church that we would not listen to a song or a philosopher or an article or a whatever on how we're supposed to view women, but that we would look to Jesus and let Jesus be our model. Lord, for the women in this room and in this church, I pray that they would not view themselves according to how anybody else views them. Maybe some other lady, but specifically some other man, but that they would view themselves in the way that you view them, with great dignity and great worth. And I pray that we would rest in that and join that. It's in Jesus' name we pray.